Welcome to the Follow Me podcast, where we hope to equip you to evangelize and disciple in your context. Today, I'm here with Tim Kraft, and we're talking about the power of testimony. Yeah. So, I actually haven't heard your testimony. Okay. I've heard bits and pieces of it. Yeah. Um, so I know it's a powerful one. So I'm just going to hand the floor to you and okay. tell us your story about your family and yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. dive into it. Yeah. So um, I'm not from here originally, the Mid-Ohio Valley, meaning I'm originally from a place called Beckley, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And so um, I grew up there and worked in the coal mines there, actually. Um, and that, that was pretty much your options. You either go to the coal mines or you probably leave. That was, <laughs> there's not much else. And so, um, you know, like when I, I went through high school, played sports, made really good grades. Um, and it wasn't until I went first before the mines, I went to college and... Um, at Concord uh, University, and when I was there, I started partying and like going out to to bars and clubs, and then um, I ended up waking up one day and just saying like, I know I'm wasting my my money, my parents' money. I just so I just stepped away from college. And that's when I ended up going and working in the mines. But um, and that's also when I I had these terrible migraines, like so bad that it would make me like vomit. And so I went to the uh, the emergency room one day for it, and they sent me to this neurologist um, who is now, he's in prison right now actually for overprescribing, and um, he gave me like 180 Lortap 10s, and it well, didn't take long before I was like quickly addicted to them. Like it didn't take, yeah, it was quick. Um, and so, and I don't blame the doctor because I, you know, I, I made a choice knowing that I, and I wasn't ignorant into what he was giving, you know, like I had knew some about what it was, but. Yeah. You know, I wasn't addicted to them, but then so um, as that progressed, I just went from that, uh, graduated up to uh, something they call Percocet, then graduated up to something they call Oxycontin, which is was a huge thing back then. Um, and then um, I went from taking them to snorting them. And the first day I ran out, I realized like, oh gosh, this is terrible. And I felt so bad. And I, I saw... You know, because I was like trying to maintain this job in the mines, but also maintain a drug addiction, which yeah. was not easy to do. So um, I ended up getting laid off from the mines, and I met this girl from a place called Oceana, West Virginia. They actually made a documentary on this town, and it's called Oceana. The documentary is, um, yeah, very interesting if you ever get a chance to watch that. But um, I met her, and I used to think to myself, like, if I don't shoot up, I'm I'm not as bad as, you know, some people that are addicted, which is just, you know, the live rationalization in your mind to make you feel like if you don't do something, you're you're better. But um, she went in one day, bought Oxycontin 80s, shot them up, and I tried that for the first time, and it was just, like, captivated every single thing in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the point where that's all my mind would think about, that's all I could you know, wake up and live for, and I just couldn't get enough, didn't matter how much you had, and then even when you got low, if you had a week's worth, you were worried about the eighth day, you know, so it was just this torment in my mind so bad, and uh, I remember um, on April the 6th of 2013, I woke up that morning, and my cousin called me, and she was like, we can't wake Brandy up, Brandy being my little sister, Um, she was like, we can't wake her up, you got to get over here, so um, I rushed over to where they were at. They were at my brother's house, and um, I got out of the car. There was two cop cars, two ambulances, and I ran through the yard, and I'll never forget this image. I saw my, my niece, Angel, standing on the porch. She was five, and my mom standing there, and I opened the door, and I saw my sister dead, and 
Um, she took an accidental overdose of Xanax and Opana. So, um, and it's like not knowing already how to process through, you know, emotional things like that. It made it even worse to the point where I was literally like so much deeper into my addiction. And um, over the next 10 months, I would just, you know, like I was on unemployment from the mines. And so I was just, just like uh, just doing everything I could to stay high. And then yeah. um, a part of the turning point was um, it was in February of 2014. I got my income tax that year and I had a place to stay. So I didn't have to go stay somewhere by myself. I had a place to stay. So, but it was so odd because I think about how um, like the enemy works to pull you away and isolate yeah. you. And so I went and bought one of those motel rooms you can buy by the week. Uh -huh. And so when I did that, uh, I go in not knowing how to deal with the death of my sister and I bought 19 stamps of heroin and then I bought 10, you know, oxycodone. And so, and I just began trying to shoot my pain away. I was just trying to cover up, really looking back, not knowing how to, you know, process through the emotion of it. All I was doing was coping with a pain in my heart that I didn't know how to deal with. And so, um, that first night there, I, I, fe I fell asleep like this, just like I'm sitting right now. And when I, like my body, I overdosed, so my body rejected the drugs. So, you know, I vomited. And just because I fell asleep sitting up like this, um, I didn't die. Yeah, it's the only reason. the only reason. It's the only reason. That's crazy. Yeah, and it was God's grace, and I know that now. Um, but it was crazy at the time. I woke up pretty hopeless, and they came in. Tried to pull, you know, get me to go to detox, and I wouldn't. And finally, there was a guy named Jared Pugh, um, who I grew up with, and he had went previously into a ministry called Eddie James Ministries, um, and he was knocking on the door, and he tricked his way into my room, and um, he talked me into going with him, and he's like, "You're gonna, you're gonna die here," and I knew that was true. When he said it, I knew that was true. I was gonna die there, and um, so I ended up going with him. And man, it was crazy because the lies are so big, the feeling of darkness that was in that room, that, that death that was like just right around the corner, it was, it was crazy. So, um, yeah, I go to him, go with him, and I'm telling him, though, because one thing that, that anybody that struggles with addiction does, and I know this very well now doing what we do, but um, everybody thinks that their problems are unique to them. Like nobody could possibly understand what I'm going through, yeah. which is not true, and so... Um, I, you know, tell him that, and he's like, well, I might not understand, because he's, he's like, but Jesus does, and I was like, I wasn't, you know, raised up to be this devout, you know, Christian, I can remember a couple times throughout my life, my mom and dad being in and out of church, and uh, my dad started going, but it wasn't until like 2010, you know, and so, and then by that time, I was already, you know, yeah, right, so um, I was laying in the bed on March the 1st of 2014. I'll never forget this day as long as I live because it's the day that changed my life forever. And so, and I was laying there and I was beginning to withdraw from all the drugs I had done. And my, my body was hurting, my, my stomach was cringing and my skin was crawling and I was uh, sweating, but I was freezing. And I was like, God, I don't even know if you're real, but if you're real, I really need you right now because I don't know what else to do. And in that moment, I felt a peace that surpassed my understanding, but it also surpassed, you know, the withdrawal feelings I was feeling. And it was comfort, and it was like 
it, it was wild because I knew I was supposed to be feeling worse than I did, and mm -hmm. I didn't. And so I didn't know fully then anything about God. Um, actually, but I just knew that what that experience was was this what I was always looking for. Yeah. Like that peace, I was always searching for. And, you know, so it, it led me on a journey that was um, pretty crazy. Yeah, like you had almost tried to find peace, especially from your sister's passing, like, in drugs yeah. and then you're laying there and all of a sudden it's completely different experience that's crazy yeah I've always thought about this context of like I used to take prescription pills and I would take Seroquel because I needed rest and I thought I was an insomniac mm -hmm. and I would take Valium because I needed peace um, you know and then I would um, take Lexapro because I needed joy and so and I thought about those three things rest peace and joy and those are all things that, like, every human heart desires. Yeah. It's just like I was looking for the right thing, just in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. And so once I found that, figured that out, um, it changed, you know, the way I approached life. Yeah. Yeah. So how did your friend know that you were in so that motel room? Earlier that day, my, my mom had came over and tried to get me to... Like she knew I was, she knew I was just not gonna make it out of that room, and I, I vaguely remember parts of it. I don't, rem I remember like you know little pieces of her being there, and then I remember there's a cop in there. Um, I don't know how I, he didn't even, he must, he might not have cared that he probably because where I was at it was a pretty bad spot. He's probably like, yeah, this happens here all the time. But um, he left, and then I just remember you know like my mom just saying begging me to go she's like please don't you just go to the hospital get help back then there wasn't a ton of resources like there is now you know it was like all you did back then was go to the hospital and you know there was a place called fmrs in beckley that's a, basically be like a westbrook here you know um and that was it that's, that's all there was there wasn't all these ministries and all of that so yeah that's that's crazy uh so how have you like hearing your story how have you been able to use your story to help others come uh, to Christ? Like what, how has God used it basically? Yeah, so I started, so after I left there, I went into a ministry called Eddie James Ministries. And Eddie James is a Christian music artist. Um, he is now, you know, like a spiritual father. Mm -hmm. um, and he's an amazing man of God. So what I did is I went into that, this program. It was one year long and um, we would travel from like state, to state, city to city, and after I was there about two weeks, he had asked me one time, you know, about my testimony during a service, and then uh, I remember the first time ever, we were in San Jose, California, um, at this thing called the Collide Conference, and it was an all-Korean church, and he was just handing me the microphone, he's like, tell me your story, and that was the first time ever, and I had no idea where to start, how to even do it, and so for every night for a year and a half in a different city, I would tell my story, and I could see that it was impacting people, and that's what was really cool because, it's like you know, um, I've had people come before and like in the moment and be like, "I'm struggling, you know, I need help," and so we would take them with us. And so I saw that the story, even though it was painful to tell because of the death, you know, but what I learned also was this, you know, I, you know, the, the scripture that says we're free by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Um, I saw healing in my heart because I was continually, you know, like talking about what God did in spite of that, yeah. you know, trauma. And so uh, it was, I began to see like impact and um, I was even able to share it in a place called 
um, Capernaum over in Israel, and it was translated in the Hebrew. It was at a, a Messianic uh, Jewish church, and then Germany, and I saw anywhere, even different countries. I was like, wow, like God, it's amazing that you know here I am thinking the world is not much bigger than Raleigh County, West Virginia, yeah. and um, it exposed my self to so much that it broadened my vision and my horizons that um, I never would have known was there. And that story um, actually, uh, you know, eventually led us here to Parkersburg because okay. um, we were living in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, by this point of the journey, I, I went through the program. It was called Dream Life. And I, I somehow became the director of Dream Life. And I still question <laughs> that when I was like, I'm, Sure, it's not too early. I'm a year and a half into this. Uh, and so I was running the program, and we moved from Atlanta, Georgia, to Parkersburg, West Virginia. Um, and this was in August of 2015. And so I, I here, I um, shared that story at churches, and um, that's, you know, like the, to help others. And um, there was a thing one time, and, and this is the one time I really saw like God used it to really change a lot of stuff in my life. And it was a story. It's crazy. It's a story. It's obviously it's his story of what he's done. Yeah. But there was WTAP did this thing called the heroin epidemic forum or something. Uh -huh. And I was asked to be on the panel. And that still I was I was sitting beside a judge and an, and an addictionologist. And um, when somebody asked a question from the audience, they were like, it was at the People's Bank Theater in Marietta. It was like, is there any way that you can like just overcome addiction and stay free? And the moderator guy was like, well, no, I don't think you can really give an answer to that because, and then I was like, I know the answer. It's, it's <laughs> Jesus. And when I said it, and it wasn't a faith-based thing. I was the only right. on the person on the stage that had faith, but um, like everybody there responded in a way that was like, you know, here the valley is like, suffering so badly from drug addiction and the world's trying to cure something that's a spiritual problem yeah. and so there's they're not seeing much fruit and so people were hungry just for an, a solution you know and so um yeah so that's I, that's that's one of the times i can remember it seeing because it kind of like changed the exposure of um the story here locally yeah. and so it was it was good yeah, so what, what ministries do you have going on here locally? How has God directed your story to start, like, in Ohio on Hope? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, because y'all know High on Hope from here. You guys are amazing. Um, so I, High on Hope was the first one. I stepped away from Maddie, started High on Hope in uh, 2017, end of 2016, beginning of 2017. And then um, we did that, you know, and that was it for, until, uh, until COVID hit. But uh, during that time... I helped, um, it was a co another company out of Ironton open some facilities, uh, one in Malta um, called uh, New Hope Creation Center. Uh, and see, it worked out, even that was like, we were trying to open it up. It was going to be just a high on hope facility, you know. Mm -hmm. The problem was, back then, um, what I learned, and it made me almost burn out and quit, was that I couldn't just run a program by myself and be there 24-7 and never have a break, and that's your whole entire life, and you can't ever get it. So I was really not wanting to do that, and we met these people out of Ironton that knew how to do Medicaid. They were doing Medicaid, and it made a lot more sense to go that route. So for you know a few years, they oversaw it, but um, we helped open that one and one in Marietta called Brandy's Legacy, which is no longer open. Okay. Um, and so 
through High on Hope in the midst of a lot was birthed during COVID um, through our ministry because before that we had High on Hope and we were associated with, you know, these really closely with these other places. Um, and these, these are recovery centers? Mm -hmm. Those are both recovery centers um, and one for men, one for women. And then the one for women had shut down because of just some other business decisions that were above my head. Um, and I really felt like it was I knew people were, had to be struggling like I was starting to struggle in my mind when we were all isolated and yeah. couldn't you know meet and I know how important it is for people um, not just in recovery just people in general they need community so yeah. um, we started going to the park um, on August the 16th of 2020 okay. we went to City Park in Parkersburg and we just did like a service we did like a, we got people to do worship mm -hmm. shared the word and there was such a big turnout, I was shocked. I was like, wow, I didn't think this would be the case. Yeah. Um, and so we did it again the next week and, and again the next week. And um, before we knew it, uh, we had a whole ministry called The Reach United. And it was, you know, we were meeting on Sunday evenings and it got cold. And we were thinking, well, we should probably keep doing it because it's good. So we found this little tiny building, probably about as big as this room uh, over on south side of Parkersburg. And there we you know, kept having our Sunday night services and it was beginning to build into something. And um, during that time, same time, um, Brandy's Legacy was simultaneously, it was closing down. Mm -hmm. The reach was just starting. And on December the 5th of 2020, I know I, he I heard the Lord so clearly. I know it was him. And now I can say I definitely know it was him. Um, and he said that if you're going to honor your sister, you don't put it in the hands of other people wasn't a knock on the people. They're great people, but it was just that he had given me a specific vision and assignment for that. For how you wanted that to flow, yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, we started, Abby and I started working on um, Angels Harbor, like the back end of it, you know, like learning how to get behavioral health licenses and all that stuff. Yeah. And it was, um, it was a process and how do, how, you know, where are we going to do with that and, you know, all of that. So God worked out every detail of that to the point where it took a year and a half, but it was such a year of trust too because um i mean you know you step away from something that's secure and it's something you don't know for sure if it's gonna work and we, you know we have two small kids and it's like here we go we're going, let's go. <laughs> we're going all in <clears throat> so this time last year um i was actually um yeah i was in that that state of you know, in between it all, trying to wait for it to open and, you know, praying that it would work, which I knew, I, I just, I knew it would. I didn't know it would. I felt like God said it would, but, um, and so we opened Angels Harbor um, on April the, I'm sorry, May the 29th of last year, 2022. Mm -hmm. And during that time, simultaneously, with the reach, um, I'll catch it up to where there, we're there, um, we moved out, we ran out of room in that building, so we went back to the park, and then it got cold again, like it yeah. tends to do, so we went to a building over on 16th Street, mm -hmm. um, and it was a great place to be. It was awesome because we could, you know, minister to the community over there. We were on Latrobe and 16th, so yeah. right in the middle of where the drug addiction is the worst, and then we um, eventually found the building that we're in now, um, which is over on Staunton Turnpike before you get to WVUP, it's a, it's a beautiful church. Um, and so we moved there and it was cool because the first weekend the Angels Harbor was open was the first weekend we had the service in the new, the new building. And so I could see, 
I could look back and see, okay, why did it take a year and a half for Angels Harbor to open? Because um, the church, you know, wasn't going to be ready until then. And God knows this. I didn't know this. And we didn't ha wouldn't have to take them over into the middle of where the drug addiction is the worst, you know, and say, like, here, yeah, you know, we'll let you hang. You know, so I feel like God's timing and his connection is just so crazy. It's, yeah. like, wild when you look back. I was very impatient during that year and a half of waiting for Angel Sarber to open. Anxious to get it started, yeah. yeah. You just feel like it's, ne you're like, it's never going to happen. And then um, I see why now. It makes sense. Yeah. So it sounds like I'm trying to piece together your timelines. So you had High on Hope, and that's the men's recovery facility. And then Brandy's Legacy closed. Mm -hmm. um, you started a church plant. Yeah, I didn't even know. Didn't yeah, even know. I had no idea. Doing a church plan. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you basically made a church and yeah. then, you know, Angels Harbor, which is the new ladies recovery mm -hmm. facility. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. So then and you mentioned your, your wife, Abby. When did you guys meet? So we met in um, uh, 2018. Okay. Um, yeah. And then we got married in 2019. And so, um, and that's another reason I thank God never had us like plant a church or anything before that's because you know she she was just you know she's such a um like rock of it all she's like the you know she's amazing um so she holds a lot of it together and so even today she's um doing you know one-on-ones with some girls at angels harbor she runs the day-to-day -day of angels harbor um and she's a um, program director of it so she does that so amazingly um and, and, and I know now, you know, like I always had a burden ever since I lost my sister to help women, but I wasn't going to, you know, I couldn't have opened a, a right. women's treatment center with just me, you know what I mean? Like without having uh, a wife, my wife to be a part of that. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so we met and we have two little boys, um, Cash and Remy. Okay. And so uh, we were, you know, like I, I love what I love about her is like because I, I, I dream big, you know, because. I think because I, I know what it's like to have nothing. Like, I know what it's like to literally have nothing but, you know, the clothes on your back and a couple, like a duffel bag or the zipper's broken. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what I, mean? and yeah. I know that. So it's not always scary for me. It, you know, you have kids, it changes that a little, but it's not always scary for me to take a chance and say, if I felt like God told me to do it, we're going to take the risk and, and go after it because I've just seen them deliver time after time. So... Um, yeah, that's been, that's been a blessing. Yeah. And so can you give a brief like overview of kind of the program of how maybe Angels Harbor Absolutely. works? Um, that way listeners can kind of see the process that people go through. Yeah. Um, so when they come in, it would be after detox. So we don't medically detox, okay. which is a five to seven day process where they help them physically get through the withdrawals of whatever drug they're on. Um, and then they come to us there for 90 days. Um, so th the way a day would look is they would wake up, have breakfast. They would have morning prayer. Um, it is, you know, um, a state, you know, it's a Medicaid facility. But what I've learned is like, man, as long as it's working, they don't, they don't really care um, yeah. if you, you know, if, if Jesus is in there. But um, they would get up. They'd be in group for six hours that day. And so we have other, you know, if people come in and speak to them sometimes, and you know, we have. Um, what's called CDCAs, they do group, they're clinicians, and, um, and a lot of them are people that's been 
a part of our ministry. So the same DNA of what's in the reach and high on hope is yep. the same DNA we have there, which is very important to me that our culture and our, our you know, atmosphere stays that way. And so, yeah. um, and then they would do one-on-ones every week with uh, each client gets a one hour one-on-one every week. But then um, in the evenings, it, it varies. So like on Thursdays, they go to high on hope. We, you know, we do high on hope every Thursday. Um, on Fridays, they do a thing called Friday Night Fire. They do their own like church service, and it's yeah. just us in attendance. But um, the way, same way Eddie James empowered me, I would have never known what I had inside of me yeah. had he not like positioned me to be able to find it. And so that's what we, you know, try to do with them. Yeah. So kind of like how you got pulled into Eddie James. Has there been anyone in particular from the top of your head that has? been pulled into your ministries and is now just like on fire for for yeah. God and for the kingdom. Yeah, so in, we're, we're going back to the Eddie James thing. Um, there is a uh, girl named Nicolette Christian is her name now. Um, she works for us. And so she has been a part of our ministry, even through High on Hope, through, you know, all the stuff that happened. She's always been connected to it. Um, and I think about you know that and she made a comment to me one time and somebody from our church did too you know because I, I talk about Eddie highly I honor him you know because who he um, who he is in my life and what God's done through him um, and so they were like you're Eddie to us you know Eddie they both had said that and I was like wow that's that's crazy to think that you know you're just um, replicating passing on the same DNA that was you know instilled in you to others right. and so um we also have girls more, and she, so she's been a part of our ministry often, you know, like forever since eight years ago. Yeah. But then recently we've had a couple girls that um, were graduates of Angels Harbor. We've had so far 32 girls graduate. Um, and so there's one that works for us already right now, which is really cool. Our hope is one day that 80% of our staff is our, our clients that graduate, yeah. you know, um, and she's, on fire amazing and then we have another young lady who started her own podcast we have a, a like a little podcast studio over in the bottom of the the bank at the okay. and so she does the girls from our transitional living house so they're in angels harbor for 90 days mm -hmm. and they go into an up to one year transitional living program like a sober living would be a, a right. term that and so um, they started their own podcast from there called We Chose Life, and they do it every other week, which is really cool. Um, and so it's just been amazing to, to see, you know. It's yeah. been amazing to see how God's taken so such an unlikely person, and I never would have dreamed that there was, you know, um, all of this ahead of my life. Um, but I did get to the place where I began to trust that it was going to be fine, mm -hmm. no matter what, you know. We moved from... We moved from Atlanta to here. I just felt good about it, and everybody left. Eddie James Ministries eventually left, you know, yeah. but I did, and I stayed. And so, um, God had ordered every step along the way. Yeah. And so, and I want to, you know, I want to raise other people up. I want to give these girls when they come through our program, when they leave there, I want them to have the opportunity to where they can get onto their feet. The a reason a lot of people go back into addiction is because they don't have a chance of good employment or they don't have, they go into, uh, you know, when the sober living house is charging them like, I don't know, $600 a month and there's yeah. 11 people there and, 
you know, there's, how can they get ahead like that? And, they're if, and if they have kids, and yeah. that's like. Yeah, and so yeah. we run ours a little differently. We, <clears throat> we, we charge them 20% rent for, you know, living there. But what we do is we take that money and we put it up. And then whenever they, you know, get graduate, we give it back to them, not just in cash, not like, here, you know, here's $8,000. But if they, we've seen two of them buy cars. We've seen one, you know, we've seen them use it for uh, getting into an apartment and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, and I just want to help them succeed. You know, I want to sow into them yeah. and see their lives be never the same. And so it's real. It's been a really cool experience. Yeah, and that's so cool because, and you've even like mentioned the words a couple of times because you know you have a story and I have a story and all of these people have their own story, but. When you come to Christ, you realize, wow, this is a lot bigger. This isn't just my story. It's yeah. it's God's, yeah. and that's a much grander, yeah. <laughs> grander thing. And it to be is. brought into that, you're like, holy cow, God's yeah. using this for amazing things for his kingdom. So, yeah, it just is probably kind of insane to look back on it all and it see is. how far you've how far you've come. Yeah, like that nine years ago, a little over nine years ago, I was um, a homeless heroin addict uh, to where now, I'm a, you know, I never thought I'd be, I, and I used to always say I'd never want to be a pastor of a church too. And I'd be like, I'm not a pastor. That's not my gifting. I'm not a pastor. <laughs> and so somehow that happened. Um, and I'm glad about it. It's fun. It's cool. It's cool now because, you know, we're, we're, we're not only reaching the people that have came out of drug addiction, you know, which is obviously by default in the beginning, but now we're just, you know, to becoming diverse with uh, all kinds of different people. And, uh -huh. Um, we have a Sunday morning and a Sunday night service. I'll say Sunday morning service is becoming really diverse. The Sunday night service is still, I love it too, because there's not this, a lot of people that come out of addiction, they don't have this idea of how church looks, right? Yeah. So this is their first exposure to it. So they don't know that you're not supposed to be loud. And I don't mean while you're speaking. I'm like during worship, they, you know, they don't know that, like it, they don't think, they don't have this preconceived idea that it has to look a certain way. Right. They're open to whatever God you know, however they worship God. And so I love that because it's not chaos, but it is freedom, freedom to be able to express, yeah, the way you feel like God's telling you to. So it's, that's one thing I, I do love. It's challenging sometimes dealing with almost, you know, our, our church is a lot of new Christians, yeah. and so it can be challenging. But, you know, at the same time, the beauty of it is, you know, there's not a lot of that, you know, like, well, no, that ain't supposed to be that way because I remember, you know, and so there's open-mindedness to where God can just move in such big ways. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so what's kind of on the horizon for you guys in, in your ministry? What's your, what are your goals? What's the future look like? So um, we want to keep expanding Angels Harbor. Um, you know, we have a couple buildings that we hope to use um, maybe in the next six months to open another one. And then we want to eventually we want to do men um you know like we want to do men's programs and so big vision for me would be um that we would have angels harbor all over west virginia and ohio because um you know we would have to switch over get licensure in west virginia right. and all that but um the bigger vision is to do that and to have them even all the way down to beckley where i'm from i'd love to have one there and so um as far as that goes i think one day, I really do believe one day we will have um, a, a big impact on the state of Ohio. I believe that we, we have uh, so far a 76% success rate. Wow. 
of the people that's graduated that are still sober. The national average is around um, 15, some, some, some reports say 12 to 15, some say 15 to 17. So, wow. yeah. A big difference. It's a huge difference. And so I think uh, one of the keys to that is that support system that, you know, the, the church plays this role in their life that isn't always, you know, that mo a lot of treatment centers, they might go to a church, but like, mm -hmm. you know, like the, our church leadership, a lot of them are staff at Angels Harbor, you yeah, know, you're, so. You're feeding Jesus to them yeah, like every day. Yeah, so they get yeah. it there and then they come to church and get it. And so um, it's, it's cool because it's like, you can, I can step back and look at it now and look at, okay, we have the residential treatment part when they come in and, you know, half of them don't even believe in God, which I, you know, I was like that. I, did. I was, after bad things happen, you're like, he's probably not even real. You know, like, why would this happen? And now I know that, you know, that's such a flawed way of thinking. But um, to see them come in, it's like, it's building something that's so beautiful because they believe in it so much. They believe in Angels Harbor because you know, um, God saved their life in Angels Harbor and taught them about who he was. So they have a heart for it, but then they stay connected. Even the ones that graduate and don't go into our, our transitional living, you know, they stay connected um, if they're from this area, you know, to our church and they come. Even the ones that are not from the area, like at least once a month, will usually drive down to the church because it played such a crucial role in their growth. And yeah. Um, you know, they found something that worked and they, they love it. That's the cool part. It's not like you have to be like, okay, we're going to church. And they're like, oh, no, you know, I don't want to go to church. They're excited about it. And I love that. And, I, you know, the prayer is that that never changes. No matter what happens throughout this journey, that um, <clears throat> our culture stays that way, you know. Yeah, yeah. So Angels Harbor the behind the name mm -hmm. i know you mentioned your sister's daughter was named angel mm -hmm. is it named after her it is yeah and so it's in honor of brandy um right. um but and due to you know the brandy's legacy thing we didn't use her name because we didn't uh, want people to think they were uh, you know the same attached right. and we wanted them to know this was completely something completely new and different um yeah. and so this is the first one that abby and i opened to um so we used the, the name Angels Harbor, and then um, we're going to keep that name, even if it goes, you know, wherever it goes, um, across both states, we're going to keep the name. Obviously, we probably won't keep the pink on the men's <laughs> facilities. We'll make it a different color than pink. I think we're just going to make it blue where it's pink. And so, um, yeah, and, and, and so we're just going to, wherever you hear Angels Harbor, um, you know, I'm hoping it's in a lot of places. Yeah, well, I think it's even, even though it's not her name, I think it's very fitting for the yeah. ministry, um, yeah. you know. Um, okay, so then last question for you. Mm. You've got all this stuff going on. <laughs> You're hoping to expand in a bunch of ways. How mm -hmm. can congregation members here from mm -hmm. Porterfield, but also just people in the community, how can they come alongside you, support you? What do you need? Yep. What, is, what does that look like? One thing that we've, we've never, we, we need so badly always is um, vans. And so that's a big, it's a big. Vans, okay. Yeah. So we, we <laughs> not have. Not the shoes, the vehicle. Yeah, not these. <laughs> I mean, which if you want to get me some of these too, that'd be great. <laughs> but no, um, we, we have vans and there, a lot of them, we, we do a lot of work to them. I'll say yeah. that. So we have four. And if you imagine right now we can hold, we have 28 women mm -hmm. just, and if that, ex, you know, expands soon over to, you know, um, 20 more, you're looking at now then 48 women and then moving them around is not easy. Getting them to church is not easy, you, you know, so 
Yeah. Yes. Yes, we do. Really, we do need a bus, and so that's one of one of our biggest challenges. And sometimes we have to, um, if one of our vans are in the shop, which seems to be like every week, um, you know, we have to make multiple trips sometimes. And so that's one thing. Um, another is, you know, if we are like opening a facility or something, sometimes it's it's hard to get it furnished, um, yeah. especially you know you're, it's they're they're big and they're huge and so and the next one um, you know hopefully it's even bigger than this one by a lot so and if that's the case then you know finding beds and beds and couches yeah, couches or and kitchen material yeah, yeah if you could just imagine a whole you know like whole facility just need it full of furniture and so you know that's a that's always a blessing and then um, <clears throat> another way is there's been some a couple churches and it's been such a blessing they actually cook. They bring, like, they like cook one one day a month or something, and they bring you know the food in. And they actually eat with the girls, and it's really cool. Um, yeah, so you know stuff like that's always a blessing, and the girls always you know they love connecting with people, so that's really special for them too. Um, yeah, so that's right off the top of my head, and then, um, those are some e you know like some practical. I don't say easy like a van is not an easy <laughs> thing, but like those are some practical ways people can help. Right. Okay. And so when when you have needs like that, so say that you um, maybe aren't ready for mm -hmm. furnishings yet, mm -hmm. when that's a need, is there a way that we find out about that? You have Facebook we, yeah. and we, yeah, we'll always post okay. it on Facebook. Um, and and you know, and even um, we're thinking about just even before that, getting a head start on it. You know. Um, and just like putting it in storage until we need it because uh, we, we just noticed with this one, if it would have, if, if we would have had our licensing, we wouldn't have had the furniture yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, it all worked out perfectly, but, you know, going forward, we don't have to get, you know, re-get your licensure. You already have it, so right. you just add locations. And um, so, yeah, so we're thinking about trying to get ahead of that this time and okay. actually start collecting things early. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so um, Facebook page, Angels Harbor, face, Angels Harbor Facebook page, or The Reach? Yeah, well, there's both. Um, okay. Yeah, Angels Harbor is where you'll see anything to do with Angels Harbor as far as the advancement okay. of, um, you know, that. And then um, The Reach, um, we're doing uh, through High on Hope. We haven't done one since 2019, and it will be, I'm saying this hope in hopes that people here and come to it. Mm -hmm. We did used to do an event every year called High on Hope, The Movement, and okay. we did them for three years straight like 2017, 18, 19, and then COVID hit. And so we didn't do it. And in the midst of COVID, obviously the REACH started and Angels Harbor and all that started. So um, we're bringing our attention back to High on Hope, um, the movement, the movement okay. which is going to be May the 13th. Um, the first event we ever did at High on Hope was in City, um, I'm sorry, Parkersburg High School football field. Okay. And we're going back there to do it, which would be cool. Okay. And so we have... Um, some like a great Christian rappers, Nikki Gracious is one of the guys' names, and Cam Band, and we have um, our worship team, and we've even considered asking some other worship teams okay. if they would like to be a part of and it. And so speakers and speakers, all speakers, yeah, that okay. coming from like all the way from Kentucky, Akron, some um, yeah, so great, great speakers. And May so 13th. May thirteenth, it'll be from noon until four. Noon to four. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I think. And then you mentioned the podcast, We Chose Life. Yeah, We Chose Life. Okay. And then we do one from uh, the Reach called the Reach the World podcast. Okay. Um, and I'm sure, you know, probably like this when you find it on Spotify, and okay. Apple Music, all that stuff, um, or Apple Podcasts, yeah. 
Yeah, and we'll we'll throw in all of the links and stuff into okay, the, cool. the info for this podcast. Yeah. But thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. I mean, awesome to hear your story. I hope that people can, you know, not be afraid to use their testimony because yeah. you never know how God's going to use it. <laughs> Clearly, right. you don't know what, <laughs> what no he's going to start. <laughs> no idea what's ahead. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Happy to, happy to be here with you. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> it's been good. All right. Thanks, Tim. No problem. Thank you.